I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Butterwolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh -huh. Rebel Radio is going down. Would you say Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, what's up? Welcome back to Rebel Radio. I'm your host, Josh Levine. My guest today, Saber, the graffiti legend, as part of our Artwork Rebels series in collaboration with Gorilla One. Shout out to Eddie Donaldson, my co-host today. Saber, if you don't know him, he is uh, famous the world over for his work on city streets and now in galleries and museums. He's the creator of the LA River piece, which was the largest graffiti mural ever painted, over 250 feet long, 55 feet wide. Look that thing up, it's pretty damn impressive. Uh, and for you graffiti fans out there, he's got some great stories. He tells us about the, the famous Hex and Slick battle, which was a, a huge moment for Los Angeles graffiti. And uh, really what it's like being uh, out of control teenage boy and and part of that whole movement there's pretty pretty cool stories going on here he's got a really unique and maybe surprising stance on the legality of graffiti and some great stories about how he's used art for social change and he's going to kind of give us some insight into how he's made a pivot from uh, uh, from out in the streets to being a more serious artist in the galleries so good stuff here i hope you enjoy it Right after this, our EDM.com track of the week. Hope you ready for war. I hear them at the door. What if I die today? Oh no, yeah. Who forget about me tomorrow? I pray for you cause you pray. Grab the AKs, M9s, and body armor and rappers on some pop shit, yeah. Y'all can't find a key in on the locksmith, yeah. This my only option, yeah. Rockstar from the ground where the rocks is, I'm everything. You say I'm not. My eye made it, watch me go and turn. Stake them up to filet me on. 
got Mad the club, thought I made it Bouncing, tripping, ACID Told you that, they corny, yeah Just look them up and they EYE And these fake rappers Yeah, break them all down like they pinatas And I need Madonna and Lana Shit, and Rihanna, but say the drama And I told myself I want to blow But I did this shit last night But they told us that we would never blow Now we look at them and we laugh like Oh, he's anxious and they wonder why I hope all this time inside is justified Cause lately I've been washing out my window Okay, cool. That was The Shady Bunch with a track called Window Pain, our EDM.com track of the week. I hope you liked that one. If you did, get over to EDM.com for some more fresh hip-hop and electronic music. Before we get into our interview, I have an exciting announcement. Rebel Radio has a new sponsor, Boxed.com. That's B-O-X-E-D.com. I'm going to tell you about it right now. Instead of driving to the warehouse store, spending half your day picking up stuff and trying to get it up the stairs, you can shop Box.com for the products you use every day straight from your house. Toilet paper, paper towels, snacks, buy them in bulk, get the best prices. I'm hoping you use toilet paper every day, but you know what? It's none of my business. Do you. Hey, with Box.com, you can shop at any hour, any day, from your own home. In about two business days, everything shows up at your doorstep. It's like magic. You'll save time, gas, and money because there's no annual membership fee. And right now, for listeners of Rebel Radio, they're going to give you 20% off and free delivery on your very first order at Box.com. What could be better than that? I can't think of anything. Go to Box.com, enter the code REBEL. That's B-O-X-E-D.com. Use the promo code REBEL. Box.com, promo code REBEL. And now, our interview with Saber. So, I know you were just saying something, but um, but are you are you on as Saber? Are you on as Ryan? What's I mean, I'm, my Saber is the point of reference. Okay. Who the fuck? No one knows who the fuck Ryan is. Right, right, right. You know? No, that's fine. We can talk about <laughs> it. But thanks for being here, man. I'm excited to have you here. Uh, we've known each other, you know, not well, but, you know, over the years. Yep. I think we met through the, the Scion stuff. That's um, where it was. Yeah. Scion. And then, uh, and so, yeah, we were, we were running all the, the art program for Scion. And, That's right. And, you know, you and uh, a lot of your, your family, your crew was, was a big part of that. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, one year we bought prints of the L.A. River piece for clients that's right. And I snagged one for myself, so I that's have it right. in the house. I that's get to right. See it yeah, that was my idea, too, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> and then we framed them and sent them out. That's, that's right. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Eddie, Eddie and his marketing, he's house. always on that's it. Right. That's right. I still have a couple of those at the house. <laughs> uh, I have to call Julian's. <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Pretty much. Well, so I'm excited that's to have you here, man, and hear more about the story. And I've been, you know, reading up on some stuff that I... I had no idea about, so I'm excited to hear everything you're up to and uh, yeah, and hear all about the journey. Um, it gets a little complex, even for my own head. Yeah, I'm sure. Times, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, well, so before we get into it, though, how how do you guys know each other? What's the gorilla one? I don't even fucking connection. know where we met through Ramin, through Casey. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, a long time ago when we first started Gorilla One, it was me, Ramin, and Casey. But I knew you before Gorilla One. I don't think so. I've met you. Well, yeah, probably. I mean. Probably from way way back in the in the writing days. You yeah, know, I don't know if you were if we met each other. You know, when well, you're a little older than me, still around, right? Yeah, 
You used, we used to go to Belmont, right? Yeah. So then we probably met in the yards or yeah, somewhere yeah. at a party or an yeah. event because obviously I've been close to AWR and MSK for years. Yeah. Um, but I think where our relationship got established was when we were on La Brea in Detroit yeah. or La Brea in third and we opened our office. And like, that's right. I remember in our original like Wall Street proposal for Gorilla One, it was like Saver at Gorilla One and mystic at gorilla one yeah we were one of the first like yeah, yeah. seven people we would go to because right. we were the closest to us it was yeah. like push gk eclipse you know this is pre uh, pre everything pre everything pre a lot of the current the last <laughs> the last days of the old world yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's cool you know like or, you know we uh we know each other a really long time and, yeah you know it goes without saying that we have a very close relationship yeah for sure that's yep. exciting stuff. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> no hugs. Exactly. So how did you get started with all this, man? What was oh, the fuck? Skating, skateboarding. Yeah. Yep. Skating. You're, is, from, you're from Thousand Oaks, yeah? Well, I grew up in Glendale. Okay. And then end of sixth grade, moved to Thousand Oaks. Okay. So I still had my connection to Glendale, which yeah. was then my old, old world. And so you rock. were skating kind of went, yeah. at, at that point? And then... Thousand Oaks had a pretty strong little skate scene. And the guys that I originally skated with out there also got into graffiti a little bit ahead of me, which was Bless and Crises and these other guys. So, yeah. uh, And they were from AWR in L.A., so they had a connection all the way back. So there was already um, some cool little, like, microscopic little things going on out there that we held on to. Yeah. And skating kind of led us through it. Um, what was it? So there's, like, different kind of skate scenes right like you know there's like the punk rock skaters well everyone skated pop skaters and so there was no yeah. difference if you skated everyone was welcome yeah there was no like really i mean we had friends that were clicks but we didn't uh you know if i remember just being in parking lots and all sorts of different shapes and sizes would show up and skate together wouldn't yeah. even say hi to each other but we'd just skate together yeah. you know I, I miss those days those were fun you know wholesome era you know i mean i always we always felt a little scared because sure. there were always people like screaming at us or chasing <laughs> us away or trying to beat us up that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, skateboarding was illegal at the time. Yeah. Right? And then all then that's when the gang thing kind of hit, you know, even in the suburbs, but because yeah. I had a way back to LA through Glendale, mm-hmm. um I still had a connection to my old friends, mm-hmm. which primarily kind of the funnel to all of them would be my buddy Trigger who who who's rest in peace and his circle of friends were my friends growing up early in Glendale. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I was the one who brought him in. To, really? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's. So I knew all the circles. That's you know? crazy. Yeah, my 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 history with him doesn't go back that far. I don't remember him until as of recently. Not recently. Yeah. Like a year, but like not back in those days. Yeah. His his best friends, his little crew, were the guys that I grew up with is from little kids. Wow. Yeah. And, and were you into music too? I was always into music. You what, know. What kind of what everything? Everything. Punk rock, hip hop, underground hip hop, uh, yeah. classic rock, every everything. Yeah. You know. Uh, I think at one point I really liked like kind of underground hip hop, but I also like punk. Like what? What was that mean? Um, fuck, I don't even know. I think the first thing comes to mind is like maybe Freestyle Fellowship or, okay. or you know, like I even did D Styles album cover Phantasmagoria. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, like um, Daddy Kev is a good friend of mine. Yeah. Daddy Kev actually built my first website. Oh shit. Yeah, it took a whole summer and it was like, <laughs> um, that's good. you know, like we just sat there and smoked weed and he built my website. Sure. It's awesome. Yeah, Daddy Kev's at home. Yeah. That was like back in the G1. All days. flash yeah, and it crashed like, everyone's computer. It would never upload. Yeah. You know? 
no back end. You couldn't like all the photos are there. That's it. You know, Um, that then led me into kind of learning about Mm e-commerce and what the fuck that's all about. Yeah, because we had no way of making money then. You know, get a job, which wasn't. I'm I'm a insubordinate motherfucker, so having jobs Mm -hmm. was difficult. I had a lot of weird jobs like painting pottery or Uh faux finishing, or I would get jobs. You know, I did a lot of the Chevys salsa ladies at the restaurants or okay or even like uh oh, chevy's restaurant chevy's restaurants yeah. doing the faux finishing and salsa ladies like i did a bunch of those they still um, have chevy's i don't fucking know i don't know actually that's a good question i haven't seen it in a while um i had all sorts of, even there's a funny commercial i see every once in a while it's a uh, trimedic or something and it goes a little guy like guy in the hand and he goes bullseye right my face and i painted that face on it oh <laughs> 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 yeah that's great they paid me a lot more than those punk ass actors that showed up i had right. to paint a whole line of these motherfuckers there's like 50 faces i had to paint for the casting day <laughs> and i'm sitting there painting these whack little faces they paid me a lot that's you know that's hard i mean yeah i see that commercial every once in a while yeah. and there's two of them there's one guy in an airplane that he i have this photo of him just so livid that he had to do this role. Yeah. I was like, hey, bro, let me see your hand. <laughs> I had him posing in his fake-ass like airport, and he's sitting there with the worst look on his face, like, my career's in the fucking dumps, dude. And I'm like, I'm getting paid three times, he's getting paid, and I'm like, give me a photo, bro. <laughs> just amazing. indulging in craft services. Was that your first pay? <laughs> no. Nah. Nah, no, I did the first pay gig? Well, what was first, the first paying gig? I think doing... <laughs> not getting paid by gypsies and thieves <laughs> doing yeah. a t-shirt. <laughs> that was my first gig. Sure. Wow. Um, yeah, so then we tribal t shirts before Grill One for yeah. sure. I um paying gig, I mean i you know, actually painting a little like bakery doing a landscape scene. Because okay. I like to do photorealism for myself. Yeah. To test myself as a painter, because I've always been into it. And uh so I would get weird little gigs painting weird shit. Yeah, I really like a bakery scene. Okay, you know, I'd do it for four hundred bucks. And that's like, <laughs> you that's know, like, like how, how old are you at that point? Probably like eighteen. Okay, my first job was painting ceramics, yeah. flowers. Her name is Beware Malibu. Look her up. She's okay. balling out of control now. Nice. Um, yeah, we were like this. Me and Push were like the slave labor. Everybody yeah. evolved. We'd paint little fucking flowers and shit. I did that for three summers. That's hilarious. Yeah, and we, so were we writing before that. I started graffiti like <clears throat> 80, 88, it hit my head. 89, my cousin drove me down into the Belmont tunnels. I was like 12. Yeah. And then and then I revisited Glendale back then to the Levitt's yard where I saw the Hex and Slick battle. Mm-hmm. I got photos of all that. Um, you know, that shit blew my brain away. Yeah. So once I saw that, I was hooked. I was like, this is what I need to do. So for folks that don't know, tell us about the battle. Uh, Hex and Slick battle. I mean, that's that was the two heavyweights, you know coming together, battling each other. The first one was at Belmont. And uh, I didn't see the battle at Belmont. I just saw the statement Hex had written over everyone after it got dissed. Mm-hmm. But the one at Levitt's, which is uh, the 134 and the 5 kind of meet mm-hmm. um, behind the Levitt's furniture building, was this epic battle between Hex and Slick that was on the on the news. And, I mean, it was a, on the newspaper. It was a huge deal. So mm-hmm. creatively, as a, as a young person, to see that was mind-blowing. You know, I mean, to me, I, I almost saw like they were casting spells at each other because – they weren't just painting letters. They were painting um, characters at each other, like like counterpunching each other, you know. Yeah. And one guy would paint something, another guy would paint a- another thing in reaction. And it was just fucking brilliant. I mean, I think to this day it was the most powerful pieces. And didn't Slick do Freddy Krueger? No, that was, yeah, uh, was Hex. Hex, Hex that, yeah. But, you know, and then Slick did the train and fucking uh, 
The hex was pretty hard though. The hex kind of killed it. I mean, it's like a three-story building. It was like yeah. at the time one of the biggest productions of its kind. Yeah. Under that circumstance, you know what I mean? Like head up, not mm-hmm. like thought out. I mean, I guess it was somewhat thought out. Sure. But it was like he said, kind of reactionary. Right. It's like I got to come tomorrow and do this shit because he did that shit. Yeah. yeah. And it went on for a while, and it was this giant, beautiful mural, you know. And yeah. That's when I saw my first Chaka tag, and I was like, how the fuck did he do that? So I went home and, you know, got a board out, you know, and tried to learn how to flare, and I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. You know? I mean, those are those are golden, you know, those times. Those golden days. Yeah. I, I was at the end of it. I remember know? when Chaka came into the—we had that store, Outspot 23, and Chaka came into the store, right? It's a little bitty dude. He's not a little—I don't want to say a little bitty, but littler guy compared to what you would think. You know, yeah. I'm thinking of fucking uh, Bigfoot's going to walk in the door. It was like <laughs> right. this— this guy that nobody knew that was everywhere, you know, yeah. in the name. So I'm thinking Bigfoot's going to walk in. He walks in all nice and cool. He's like, what's up, man? You got some tips? I'm like, yeah, we got tips. What do you need? He's like, oh, okay. Oh, you right? He goes, yeah, what do you write? He goes, Chaka. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. double take. Like, what? He goes, what? Yeah, Chaka. I go, nah, man, let me see. Hit, hit my book real quick. And he uh-huh. like started writing it. I was like, oh, shit. And he used to come to the store after that all the time. And Yeah. And just hang out, which was kind yeah. of cool. Those were the days. So I was the, I was young during those era, sure. during that era. So I, I my our, my era with my buddies was like the nineties, mm-hmm. like 90, 94, It was already all out. You know, ninety five. We were a fucking bunch of psychopaths running around, pack of wolves, just creating as much public damage as possible. Yeah, you know. Um, we were good at it too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like really efficient at it. I look back at those days and go, wow, we were out of fucking control. Like, what do you mean? Just life-wise, you know, at a certain, like, like, because there was a bunch of us with the same purpose. There was a whole movement of people with the same purpose. So to look at, to look at something of danger and it's like that feeling before your first fight, you know, you might get hurt and you get that nervous feeling, but you know, if you don't fight, you're a bitch. And, and if you don't do it, everyone's going to fucking destroy you and you don't become the man you want to be. So all those like prideful feelings times 10 to be like, okay, I'm going to steal this paint. I'm going to climb out onto the freeway bridge. I'm going to hide from helicopters and I'm going to get this fucking piece done regardless of the circumstances, you know, by the 50th, 60th, 80th, 120th time you've trained yourself a certain way. Um, ideologically, testosterone wise, Mm -hmm. uh, comfort levels, uh, uh, controlling nervousness, uh, the, 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 the thoughts, the pre-thoughts, the afterthoughts, the addiction that comes with all this is really complex, pressurized situation. So if we were robbing banks or we were gangbanging or we were, like, hurting people, we would be the worst of the worst. Sure. You know, even though I got a nice smile, like, we were pretty fucking I, – I believe we were a, pack, a sociopath at that point. Absolutely. Diabolical. Yeah, because we were like nothing's going to stop us, including the law, including our own families. Well, you, you, know? you, you said something earlier about, you know, that you support – Vandalism, right? Like you, you're in favor of that. Well, I don't support um, it. Like, I, you know, as a, as a, I prefer vandalism over street art. Okay. I think graffiti should be illegal. Vandalism, okay. absolutely. Okay. I think it should be illegal. Okay. But um, someone wrote on my house. You know, they're gonna they're gonna get it. But like, at the end of the day, in a society without vandalism, you don't have that that random factor that that keeps things out of the box as yeah. opposed to constantly put within the box because yeah. it's just an illusion that something's destroyed because it's just a, a micro layer of surface that's been affected mm-hmm. you know, by a pigment, mm-hmm. which at the end of the day is going to fall off the surface anyway. And why is it illegal? A felony for a kid to put a sticker on a pole on a billboard that's illegally constructed by a major company 
And why isn't that 10 times more of an illegal you know, obstruction or a piece of cancer within the city than this yeah. little piece of graffiti? Sure. So for me, it's an ideological like conflict of, of space appropriation and mm-hmm. public access and private property rights. And, and, you know, for one hand, it's a, kind of an extreme, almost like opposite libertarian point of view. But on the other hand, it's like it's very Tea Party-ish because we're like, we're graffiti. You fuck with us. We'll hate you, you know, kind of thing. So we're kind of our own contrary mess to a certain degree. Um, (laughs) I I mean, I think that the argument is it's made for contradiction, right? Right. It's the issue, like you said, of, you know, one thing that's paid for by corporations. Yeah. You know, Lobbying efforts. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That, that, you know, and, and cities are making money on that or, or private industry. Right. And so that's themed as OK. Right. Um, the scary thing that, that I see is what, what we didn't realize when we started this. Number one, we were too young to realize that we were participating in the world's largest revolution, mm. visual take back space revolution. When you look at every single city on the planet that's that has a basic urban function, there's graffiti. And there was an evolution to it. There was a connection to it. There was there was the chain of command and all this shit. And we didn't realize that we were, you know, you look at 1993, 94, Paris, let's say, place is fucking crushed. Mm-hmm. You look at L.A., you look at New York, you look at all these different cities, and you realize that we were participating in this, this rise up re- re- uh, revolution, but we were too disorganized and too caught up with popular culture to even sure. understand the power that we were presenting the world. Yeah. And we were so fulfilled with our own ego that we didn't realize that there was a greater purpose. You know, now that I'm older, you know, that's kind of been burnt the fuck out at this point. But yeah. now it's about the art world, which is a totally different facet. Sure. You know, we've already battled the laws and the, and the you know, the space appropriation and all that kind of shit. But what we didn't realize what we were doing, which is the scary shit, is we didn't know that we were empowering big government by giving them the tools that they need to lock down an urban space Mm. using graffiti abatement programs, Mm -hmm. which is worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. Well, yeah, I read just about the the L.A. River piece. So, you know, for anybody listening, as far as I know, it's the biggest graffiti mural ever painted. Well, that the biggest illegal wild style ever painted. Okay. Yeah. It's 250 feet wide, something like that. 250 by 55 feet tall. Incredible. So I want to talk about that piece. Obviously, because yeah. that was a defining moment, I think, yeah. for you as an artist. Um, but I, but I read that it was like eight hundred thousand dollars to well move it. Well, no, that's a farce. What what, it, it, what happened was the EPA came. Well, you got to we, we got to rewind. But, but what really was going on was the business dealings that was going on along the LA River, which is a revitalization program, right. which to some certain degree I do support. <laughs> um, but at the other hand, it's it's this multi-billion-dollar business proposal program. Sure. Okay. So what they had to do in order to implement this program is they said they had to clean up the river first before they could even get into this business program, mm-hmm. this multi-billion-dollar thing. So the, the city attorney of L.A.'s biggest thing was to use graffiti as a low-hanging fruit political tactic to say we're going to go after these guys and I'll clean up the streets. Yeah. That was uh, Carmen Chutanich, who was a fucking mess. And he made it upon himself to try to put the first ever gang injunctions on graffiti crews. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got wind of that and I started working with the ACLU to try to combat that originally. Yeah. Um, but my point being was they were trying to clean up the river before they would do this business proposal. So what they, the EPA came along and said that they needed to remove the paint from the surface of the river so it wouldn't go into the water runoff. 
So these idiots openly said they needed $4.3 million, I think, in order to remove the paint from the surface because they had to sandblast it and collect the paint chips. Okay? They need a lot of money to do that. Instead, what these idiots do, they, they got the $4.3 million they needed to, to paint out the river, uh, revitalize the river mm-hmm. in that sense. But here they are in their own public uh, PR stunt to buff out the big MTA piece using paint, which goes directly against their own contract right. public statement. Sure. So here they do. They add another 30 miles of paint back to the surface, which goes against EPA's wishes of wanting to remove the paint going back in the water runoff. Yeah. Then they said they had to spend all that money buffing out all this graffiti. And what they did is they funneled that money to their buddies up in uh, this little graffiti removal contracting company, um, Tahunga or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so somebody made a lot of fucking money somewhere by po- openly pocketing the $4.3 million they needed to right. remove the paint from the sure. surface. Instead, they paint more paint to the surface. I yeah. mean... These guys are openly corrupt, and no yeah. one gives a shit. No one follows the money trail. Sure. Um, so the fight got really ugly with us because the city attorney of L.A. Um, started you know, going after my buddy Revoke, and this was during the Mocha show. So mm-hmm. there was a full-blown assault against us by the sheriff's department. Um, so out of fear, I, you know, Revoke got raided and arrested. A lot of other people's homes mm-hmm. got raided, and, and it was a real ugly time. Very scary. And... Uh, so what I did is like, well, let's skywrite over the city. If we're a mafia or a gang, I'll just yeah. put my friends' names over City Hall. Yeah. Fuck them. So I raised the money, did the skywriting over City Hall, mm-hmm. was able to create such a uh, social media shitstorm, and I created this one of the first times ever in history that you that somebody in real time integrated social media with the skywriting. Right. And and so had a cause. And hashtag. that was yeah, that was uh, and because here's the here's the kicker. Because the city of because the billboard companies were able to lobby against the city of LA's laws, claiming that all murals are a form of signage, mm-hmm. therefore making them illegal under the laws of no billboard laws. Mm-hmm. All murals became illegal, even the legal ones. Mm-hmm. So the sheriff was using that as an angle to harass us at, at, at an unprecedented level because we were still painting legal, you know, legal walls, permission walls, right. and they were using that as a tactic to try to 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 arrest us. Yeah. So out of pure fear, I just wrote our names in the sky and created a campaign, and it steamrolled. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was able to gain enough, enough attention to this bullshit law that, um, you know, what I did is change.org, jumped on board the campaign, helped me raise 6,500 signatures in a week's time. I yeah. printed all those signatures out individually and slammed them on the desk at City Hall, and I said, fuck the L.A. Sheriff's Department. And they were like, what do you mean? And I said, well, I, number one, I'm saying, I'm saying this at my own detriment because I have no protection from you guys. Sure. But, you know, here's what's going on. They're harassing us at all these different locations. So once that came about, the, the Ed Reyes and the other, other council people were like, well, LAPD is going to have a problem with the sheriff's department breaking their jurisdiction right. by going to these different locations harassing us. Yeah. So, the city, the, so what it did is it created a trail to the city attorney of L.A., <laughs> Going back to his original campaigns, which was called the end of day scenario, where he was he was funneling money to the sheriff's department to specifically target us and find dirt on us to then shut us down. What I was able to do is expose all that and show that the sheriff's was acting uh, in in not in accordance with LAPD, Mm -hmm. which then made them go, "Okay, you can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And then the city come back to me later and said, help us with these laws, help us write these laws so that we understand the nuances of painting legal murals on the street. Yeah. So then today we won that fight That's on a big amazing. scale. Yeah. And that all stems back from them buffing the LA River, you know, using army and fatigue, army corps of engineers and fatigue, you know, and 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 you know, sheriff's department buffing out our pieces, 
which, you know, it's an illegal piece and I'm fine with them buffing it. You know, mm-hmm. um, the funny thing is, is, you know, it's going to come back because right. I already went over that outline years ago. So, right. the, you know, they could put their, that's just protective coding for my piece, you know, like <laughs> fuck them, you know. Right. But it's kind of a very complex story, a very fast paced time that was during the Mocha show. And that was a big thing for us, yeah. you know, to be these little peons in the art world that the worst of the worst considered human beings anywhere, vandals, you mm-hmm. know, to be in a museum at the same time being persecuted by the, the, the gears of the city. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty interesting dichotomy. It is, you know. So how do you get, you know, you're the skater kid and you, you know, you get exposed to this. You, you know, you get your mind blown and you, like, you're, now you're in it. Like, w- take me through the journey to where you understand that this is a vehicle for social change and you get, because, you know, the, I've seen a few examples of, of your activism. Right. Right, through this medium. And so, how does that happen? Like, how do you go from being, you know, you described yourself as a psychopath, right, to, to, to now... Yeah, well, I'd have to rewind and say that that it was an evolution of different personas. Of course. You know, now I'm a father, a family man, and trying to be as mellow and as chill as fucking possible. Right, Um, sure. Because, you know, now it's about trying to be a good family provider and and a decent citizen, whatever the fuck that means. But, um, you know... But even before that, right, like... like like It's a seed that's planted, and there's either... There's smart people and there's reactionary people. And I think Casey's one of the persons who's kind of guided us the most in the sense of, well, you can make these types of decisions or you can make these types of decisions. Yeah. And I think we were a clusterfuck of, of bad decisions and good and smart decisions that kind of led to an outcome. Um, sure. You know, it's like throwing a stone into the pond and you see the ripples and, and then you learn to react from those. So, so give me a couple. What are some key decisions that have, that have made a big difference in your career? I think... Um, how to present an idea, how to make it make sense to a certain degree, how right. to hold on to something that, that makes sense and not be so, so, cause you know, within this movement, I've seen quite a few people kind of lose themselves. And that goes back to the context of wild style and painting and the addiction of painting. So what and, does it mean? What happens when you lose yourself? Um, I don't know if I can say, you know, self You're, is one person. Well, basically, we once you to say names, if we, you know, once you once you kind of once you open up Pandora's box of what's behind letters, not just the say, okay, this says saber, but mm-hmm. once you come up with the math that's behind it, the the nuances of the shapes and the proportions of size and shapes, is you kind of come down to this alchemy that it's like taking mushrooms for the first time or dropping acid. It's 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 an eye opener. Okay. Um, you can go on tangents and go so far down that road that you almost paint yourself into a circle mm. where, and I've been there, where you've been so obsessed with one thing that it, that it didn't allow you to see choices or it didn't allow you to see the bigger picture and things because you're so hyper-focused on one thing. Mm-hmm. And with the addiction, the stress, the painting, the, the toxic fumes, um, there's certain points where you lose yourself in that as opposed to being a more of a vehicle to explore it. You actually become... The mess itself. It's mm. like the matrix. You become the matrix. It's like even like there's levels, right? So even like I was a tagger, right? <clears throat> yeah. There was some point where. What was your where tag? 
that doesn't matter. <laughs> there were some points in my life where I literally could not think about anything else besides writing my name on right. shit. Yeah. Way below where they're at, right? Yeah, yeah sure. So, it's, so take that that fiendish feeling where everything you see, everywhere you go, everything, you're just constant. Like there was not a night for probably three months that I didn't go out tagging. Mm-hmm. I'd get out on the freeway wherever I could. So take that to the next level when you're creating letters and you're creating cuts and blends and you're just like getting real... Sure. Yeah, super teched out. Like you're learning the tech, and, yeah. and but it then fries you're doing your that brain. on an everyday basis, and then yeah. you just no one's there to pull you out of the water. And just, then your friends are there to push you even further. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Well, you get into social, right? And that's real proof, intense, right? The social support. And I think the difference between graffiti artists or writers and street artists is we we belong in a tribal mindset and learn to be into strong individuals within a tribal mindset. And street artists are kind of all individuals. Okay. So we have a totally different com- social complex than yeah, the other. There's not very scene. much organization, mm-hmm. and there's definitely not very much loyalty or you know chain of command to kind of yeah. like guide you through the system. Like you said, Casey's helped everybody make a lot of great yeah. decisions. It's like early on when we started Gorilla One, it was like we wanted to make. I wanted to create a book called Corporate Graffiti mm-hmm. because the, our mindset to be up in certain places and be up permanent or just. We knew what we were doing if we caught a fast tag or a permanent spot. You know, what I mean? yeah. like everyone's going to see this tonight, but that shit's gone two days later. Or right. we're going to get this one spot, and it's going to last for ten years. Well, that was my point of view. I was always like, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to make the biggest impact as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's why I didn't do too many, too many like war games, which is doing bubbles. Bubbles is war games, so those are expendable. You're expendable privates per sure. se. So for me, I was like, if I'm going to go out and risk everything, I want to do the best piece possible every time. And eventually you kind of outdo yourself to the point of where you can't even catch up to your own mm-hmm. yourself. You're mm-hmm. so far ahead of it in your head that you can't physically even catch up to where you want to go. It's a big mind fuck. This whole movement is a complete <laughs> mind fuck when you really think about it. Yeah. Broken down to its simple terms, I think we're the newest form of abstraction. I think we're the newest mixture of, of what's next with that language because the language is older than us. You know, that goes back to cubism, futurism, constructivism, whatever. Take your pick on any sort of abstract form. It has all the same recipes. Mm-hmm. And if we can get away from the hip hoppy, gangster, tough guy, you know, whatever attitude that people think that we are and actually realize that there's there's a lot of sophisticated conversations going on within this movement, mm-hmm. especially between us and, and other people and other places, yeah. that this actually has... Uh, the right recipe for something a lot more powerful than just graffiti, than just the act of vandalism or space appropriation, mm-hmm. or even be, you working with a corporation that can amplify, you know, which I do have a problem with. You know, I have I don't like doing those gigs, okay. but you know, I do what I need to do sometimes, which sure. I'm not always happy. If I was self funded, I would do what the fuck I wanted to all the time. <laughs> you know, but why, that's why another topic. Why do you why do you not like it? Because it it, it goes against some of our own belief systems. Okay. You know, um, but we live in America, which which celebrates, you know, the worst of the worst mm-hmm. and money. You know, the entire system is based on money. So if, if you don't make a, it, then you're fucked. Is there a good and bad to that or is it all bad? I mean, obviously, you got to pay the bills, right? So I don't I don't, yeah. I don't mean that. But I mean, is it a matter of execution? Is there a right and wrong way or Absolutely. is it just all bad? Well, for me, I always want to represent myself to the most authentic place I could find. OK. And to be as honest with myself. Um, I don't like being a show and pony, you know, kind of guy, and I, I don't like any of that shit. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm also generous and I'm humble when it comes to certain things. So if some kid wants me to sign his shit, I'll do it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say no. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like working with companies 
has given me an opportunity to how to present myself in a professional format, you know, using my art as, sure. as the vehicle. Sure. Um, and being studious and on time and professional in the best way I can be mm-hmm. under the conditions that I really am. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's good as an artist to yeah. learn how to function in different realms. But it goes against everything that we started with, really, you know, um, unless it's a self-funded company, unless it's from us, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which was another thing that we did. Casey, for instance, being a leader within the, in the clothing realm and yeah. forming companies and, and forming entities outside of just graffiti. Yeah. We knew we had something important because when you look at when you look at what's going on right now, for instance, um, Rhyme, my buddy from our crew, is in a, one of the biggest lawsuits in our history with Jeremy Scott, mm. this piece of shit fashion designer who took his graffiti and made an entire season out of it and had right. Madonna and Katy Perry wearing his Rhyme's graffiti on the red carpet. You wow. know, it's a multi-million dollar case. Yeah. Then you got McDonald's out of every fucking outside of the United States has norm graffiti, costs and revs graffiti right. on every single fucking McDonald's. Oh, and that's yeah. not a good look for us. I don't want nothing to do with that shit. Yeah. So I get an email from Banksy like, hey, nice McDonald's, you know, I'm like, thanks, you know, like, awesome. You know, like that's <laughs> he's laughing. I'm laughing. We both know it sucks. Right. But the point is the other people don't know that. Yeah. So they think we get paid a lot of money to go sure. do fucking the interiors of every McDonald's outside the United States. Right. Um, then you look at um, um, Retina, for instance, just did Justin Bieber's album cover. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the biggest pop icon on the planet. Mm-hmm. So here we are on one hand by society considered criminals and, and, and degenerates and lowlifes. But on the other hand, a society, they're using our imagery mm-hmm. and our lifestyle and our branding to cultivate a look that they financially benefit from. Sure. So... Where are we really? You know, for me, I'd like to strip both away and just go to the art mm-hmm. itself mm-hmm. And, and just go to the language between us and artists and leave it to just that. But we live in a society that doesn't allow that. This episode of Rebel Radio is brought to you by Wix.com. Did you know that more than 84 million people worldwide are building their own websites using Wix.com? You don't need a designer, programmer, any of that stuff. There's hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from. Use a drag-and-drop editor, and next thing you know it, your website is done, and it looks great. If you have a business, something for your side hustle, your hobby, whatever you're doing, you need to create a website, and it needs to look good, and you need to do it without spending a lot of time and money. So use Wix.com. It's free, it's fast, and it's easy, and you'll have a great website done today. Go to Wix.com. Wix.com. Send us a link to the website that you build, and we'll promote it here on the air. All right. So I want to talk about the the art a little bit, but but go back a little bit to the. You're talking about the importance of crews, right? And and you know this chain of command, and and um, why is that? Why is that important? I mean, that was just a reflection of Los Angeles and urban American environments. When you go to Europe, you know, everyone had crews, but everybody kind of operated on a softer spoken point of view. I think because in L.A. during that time frame, gangs were so prevalent, um, we all kind of cross pollinated. And so there were certain rules and and certain codes that kind of crossed over. A lot of that also triple crossed over from jail culture. so there was a certain way you had to present yourself on the street or with other people, other guys. Sure. Um, just out of 
pure bravado who type of dude are you and can you hold your own you know it's all bullshit but it's how men operate you know i mean it's very typical of all men's societies that was one of the first things that got me excited about graffiti i'd go to a party and people would be like what you write the first time someone said to me like what you talking about man what do you mean what i write you know what i mean i was like but but i got used to that real quick you know i mean it's like being instead of where you're from what you write you know it's a very clear distinction that those two are related to each other yeah. For that, yeah. you know, meet and greet. Like, you know, I got a hit up coming out of 7-Eleven one time on Reseda with a TCF hat on by some Reseda dudes. And it got pretty thick pretty quick, you know what yeah. I mean? But yeah. I'm a tagger and they're a gang. So definitely urban landscape piece to the puzzle of why it kind of went yeah, down that that's way. that's Americana at its finest, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, just dudes I mean, Especially in now packs. Especially you got so many different yeah. neighborhoods, right? And all sure. these different writers are I mean, look where we are right now. Different you know, neighborhoods. We're, we're yeah, in Culver, Culver City. City like, right around the corner I see a totally different Culver City than... <laughs> but it's yeah. like all these different dudes in different Definitely. neighborhoods start doing graffiti instead of gangs, and some gang members are doing graffiti. It's really pollinated and cross-pollinated. So yeah. in graffiti, having some sort of crew to, one, back you up when you got in trouble... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you couldn't be alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you couldn't be alone. And then two, right. just help you kind of navigate your way through the politics involved in the shit was helpful too because there's some powerful people in the graffiti community in Los Angeles. Like we're probably by far the roughest fucking graffiti hood in, in North America for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, New York's got their thing, but as far as graffiti, it was, I don't think it's anywhere near what what we were going through in the. Yeah, in the, in the early and that had more sure. to do with gang politics right. kind of mingling in. I mean, it even got as crazy as all the way in the suburbs. In Thousand Oaks, I had a drive-by on my house and made the front page news. You know, I yeah, mean, it yeah, was man. a part of the culture. Yeah. It was a part of all guys getting together, getting wasted, and proving themselves. Mm-hmm. It's a very militant mindset, you know, mm-hmm. like how to prove yourself as a young man. Well, you knock somebody the fuck out or get knocked out and survive it. And right. I went through a lot of trials and tribulations on that front itself where I put myself in very dangerous situations and I've mm-hmm. been hurt pretty bad and I've been almost killed and 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 I've had to do those things too. Mm-hmm. And these were early on. Obviously now it's totally different. Mm-hmm. Now so it's all. now we're we're all wearing pink fur and and trying to be the, you know have fancy cars sure. and play dates. You know, and we're shit. having white picket fence houses and right. you know it's a different but what back was then it, was it really it was a lot of trauma and it was a lot of a lot of psychological pressure yeah especially with all the times i did see friends die or, or go or mm-hmm. was involved in something that was really ugly and, and i was really afraid and and there were many many times in my life i was really afraid mm-hmm. you know and i always knew that that wasn't me that wasn't necessarily my friends that was a bigger symptom of society itself sure and the just the uncontrollable nature of how men behave young mm-hmm. men behave mm-hmm. um it was very typical mm-hmm. you know and it wasn't outside the box and 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 I think a lot of it has to do primarily with socioeconomic issues more than anything mixed with the bravado of American culture. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the perfect recipe for a clusterfuck, you know. It's like Game of Thrones. Everyone's just smashing into each other, you right. know. And yeah, that shit's <laughs> still going on. Don't get it twisted. We're just not around yeah. it anymore because we're older and more mature. And sure, we, yeah. we got kids, but I still know right. kids that are out there, you know beating each other down over fucking walls and tags and, yeah, you know, inner crew battles where dudes are beating each other up and kicking each other out because... You know, I've personally moved on from any of that. I mean, I, yeah. I, I have my eyes and ears on as much as possible as far as what goes on, but, like, you know, out there in the world. But, you know, my, my goal now is to shed most of that mm-hmm. and become, you know, a, a role model for my kids, which is the most important. That's the most bravado thing you can do 
and the most strongest thing you could do is to not be a fucking prick, <laughs> <laughs> right? And try to take care of your that. family the best way you can. Yeah. And for me, I all I do is make art. That's the <laughs> one thing I know how to do. Yeah. Um, now I'm navigating an even more treacherous realm, which is the art world, sure. which is a lot more deep and sinister. Yeah. Then well, ours was caveman shit. This is this is poisoning your tea. This is a whole other ball game. You know what I'm saying? Like sophisticated. You know, and, and and you know, so, I don't like the commodification of this movement. I don't like the commodification of the fake and the unaccomplished. Yeah. Um, I don't like the over branding and and marketing of of certain elements of it that aren't right to the culture itself. Yeah. I get upset about that shit. Now I try to let a lot of it go. And I think to myself, I just have to do my best to represent myself the best way I can with my art, mm-hmm. um, which is in, a lo- in itself a difficult task because yeah. you're always being pressured to sell out or to take this or to do that or or it's not good enough or, you know, it's a lot more psychological than anything. Define, define sell out for me. Doing something that you don't want to do for so, the so, sole purposes of gaining something else. Sure. So, but like, I would happy to be Justin Bieber's album cover right now for a million motherfucking dollars. I'll just reinvent myself next year because right. now I can afford to. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you know, I have to make the choices between what's right for my family, yeah. what's right for my career as an artist, and what's right for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know, unfortunately, we live in a fucking society that revolves 100 percent around money. Mm-hmm. Done. So that is that in itself is its own, you know, ethical conundrum. On multiple levels. Sure. And uh, you know what I like that that Kelly said last when we were together a couple weeks ago was one of the things that he tries to do to keep it real is like do his own name versus what the client's asking for. And I think there sure. there is a certain you know me and Ryan obviously sit at different ends of the table when it comes to commodification of of the art form because I'm in business and that's your business marketing right you know and, and yeah. I've always but we have an ally in this and that's the, right. that's the way I see it is there's an ally in that Absolutely. realm as opposed to somebody who's yeah, and, and there's a fine mm-hmm. line between selling out and, and getting over right so yeah the thing that Risky said is like I like to I mean I do my name and that's it if they want to be down with me they got to take my shit with them because at mm-hmm. the end of the day those four letters is his legacy per se. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Now, what, whatever he's doing now or not doing now and how real it is or isn't real, that's not my point, but just looking at those four letters, which is where it all started. When mm-hmm. He was a shit, shit pants, little snot-nosed, little shit pants kid and then grew into this great big biker dude, right? But those four letters are synonymous <laughs> with his commercial work yeah. and he's somewhat not selling out, right? Sure. Because he's maintaining that integrity of the four letters that started it all. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? See, so, for me, we're dealing with a totally different point of view now, which is a core group of us that are dealing with this new phase yeah. of our lives, and that is how to shed this jacket and this armor off of us to then become Ryan, as opposed to all this informed shit about Saber. Sure. Who the fuck am I? Fuck Saber. I don't care. Fuck him. Right. You know? Who am I? Who am I as Ryan as an artist? Mm-hmm. How can I portray myself that isn't informed or poisoned by the 25 years of Sabre? So, so walk me through how that happens. I mean, I've seen some of your more recent stuff, at least, you know, what's online. And, you know, there's, there's a huge evolution, right, yeah. that, that's, that's happened from the, from the wild style stuff you were doing back then to the fine art that you're doing now. Yeah. Um, how does that happen? I think it's it's pure survival as far as how to constantly re you know you have to reinvent yourself in this game on a constant basis. Graffiti, you stick to the truth and, and the path and the his, history. Right. As an artist, you have to reinvent yourself. 
So does that mean you you walk in the studio one day, and you're like, I'm, I can't, I'm not gonna do that. I got to do. There's a certain point where you rebuke it and you say, I've had enough of this shit. Right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so, I mean, because it, you can't stop. It's a fucking muscle memory situation. Right. It's an ego thing. So I can't even go to a fucking canvas without doing a certain type of swoop because that all the way goes back to 25 years of that same gesture yeah. that I'm fucking locked in on that doesn't allow me to try something totally back different. To matrix. You know what I'm saying? So how do you and, break out of that? Um, eventually, how, how it's not you? give a fuck. So give me the... What happened that day? I'm still in it. I'm okay. still in that transition. Okay. Um, I'm still looking for that. That I think having children have definitely, you know, changed me on that sense because mm -hmm. this whole saber thing's ridiculous. When it comes to family, it's like, come on, it's stupid. It's just it's ridiculous. You know, it's like it's not real. You know. Right. I'm Ryan. These are my. This is my family. This is what I need to do. You know. Sure. All this other shit is like, how do I even explain this to my children? That you know, like. And so, hey, Saber, you know, I'm like, hi. And then she's like, well, who's that? You know, right. what is that? You know, I go, sounds to me like there wasn't a moment, right? <laughs> sounds like more of a, 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 a longer yeah, transition. It's a long transition. Yeah, of course. I'm just wondering but it's if about you can, pure survival. Can you pinpoint looking back, like, was there a day when the day Every before day. you were this? Every and fucking next, day yeah. I started this shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. I get it. That's what you I'm know? saying. No, sure. there was not a moment. No, but for me, it's about it's constant the, struggle. It's yeah. about survival as a future because I don't want to be one of those older guys relying on my. What I've learned within the art business and the art world in the West, especially far West, our legacy does not translate into success into the art realm mm -hmm. whatsoever. As a matter of fact, it's a hindrance or it's something that informs them in the wrong way. So you wouldn't believe how many times I'm in a conversation with somebody. And they're like, yeah, let's see your art. And I'm like, okay, great. And they check it out and they go, what's this saber? Oh, you're one of those assholes, you know? Yeah. Like, and then they're like, but look at what I got on my walls. I have this, this, and this. And I'm like, motherfucker, those are those are my subordinates, you yeah, know? Shut like, the fuck are... up. <laughs> you know, I invented these fucking clowns, and you're telling me I shit like you don't because the, the it's right. been informed in the wrong place. Sure. So it puts it puts a connotation on me that that I don't even carry with me anymore. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I still have the urges to do things and, and I get them and I probably will act on them always. But, mm -hmm. you know, that's not me anymore, mm -hmm. you know? And to be a person of, of value or honesty is where I'm trying to find. And unfortunately with the art business and the art world, it's like there's two realms. There's struggle with your authenticity until you find your path or sell out the fastest. Right. And I've been in both positions where yeah. I could make this route and do this, get the money and get the fame and get the hype and get the, you know, all that shit. But then I think to myself, that's not where the long-term core value lies. The long-term core value lies on where the work is going to be 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now. Is it going to hold the water with the strength and the legacy of previous movements outside of doing it as an illegal act or a public act? Mm -hmm. And I believe street art has tainted that authenticity. Oh, for sure. There was, a time, there was a time where these dudes were the best artists, period, and it was undeniable. Okay, and when I say that, I mean, period. There was mm -hmm. no question. What's is this better or is that better? It was like Revoke, Saber, Zess, Push. There was no other graffiti artist that could, and they would admit it, that could hold a candle to one the level that they were taking it to, and two the artistic integrity that they applied to their art form. Now you got this watered down street art shit where dudes are like stencil artists overnight or doing right. shows in these great big galleries, and they're you know they've been painting for a year and a half. It really definitely threatens the integrity level of or, or the, the ability for an artist like Ryan to just go in and make what he wants to make 
and, it, and a value being placed on that based on what it looks like and what went into it. Yeah. Because now you can just add water, go buy a book, yeah. go to Urban Outfitters. They got coloring books, teach you. I mean, it's like it's ridiculous. It's a joke. The whole shit is saturated. Sure. And so, so it's compromised the actual essence of where the shit really truly came from. Yeah. And and to me, I guess my that essence is is the recipe that I always carry with me because mm -hmm. that was the the original form of inspiration. And inspiration is something that is very infectious when applied yeah. properly. Sure. And what I believe is we're a part of this long chain of inspiration that inspired us to take take the act to do this. And art is part of that long strain of inspiration. But the so, art market doesn't celebrate those things. The art market celebrates what sells the quickest, the fastest. Of course. You know, and they're money makers. They're the ultimate capitalists. Yeah, but check this know? one out, though. Here's my opinion, right? And I'm going to go on the record saying some weird shit, right? Because I've said some weird shit before, which has actually came true. Everything comes full circle, and you understand this as being a marketer. Everything comes full circle. So I believe that dudes like Ryan and the dudes that we came up with, if you stay true to your art form and where your passion is and where your inspiration is, eventually it's going to come back around, right? So mm -hmm. pretty soon we're going to be looking at these stencil street art dudes and people are going to be like, they're going to know what it is because they went and did it themselves. You know what I mean? So I believe that if you just stick true to where you are, sure, you're going to have dry spells of popularity and finances, but your art is not going to be compromised, which means you're going to continue to press the limits and continue to create great work mm -hmm. that eventually is going to find itself back to where it was before when right. it was the best. Just my opinion. As an outsider, that's my out. hope. Yeah, I just hope I well, live long enough to see it. We know that. <laughs> well, you know well, what I'm saying? But even if you right. don't, being bravado for your kids, they're gonna they're gonna live long enough right. to see the shit. So in essence, and, and in history, yeah, a lot absolutely. of artists and musicians like Bradley Knoll from Sublime, he didn't he didn't live a day to see his success, but yeah. his kids have. Sure. Yeah. So that might be your path. And yeah. I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer over here, but. The reality well, is if you continue to create dope work that's true to you, yeah. eventually it will surface back to that spot where it was at the top, yeah. whether you're there to benefit right. financially or not. Yeah. You will be a museum artist. You will be something that when they look back at the 90s when this art form was created as one of the greats, you know, you will be the Aristotle or the whatever of, the, of, this, of this era right. of artwork. It's undeniable because when you look at, like what was that wall in Western and Wilshire, that building on top? That that was the Masonic building. The the the, the, the oh, rooftop. Oh, Vermont, Vermont okay. and Six. Yeah, These yeah. dudes did a building on Vermont and Six that you could see from Hollywood fucking hills. There ain't no other artist done no shit like that. Mm -hmm. That when you look back at like Arabic writing and you look mm -hmm. back at like mm -hmm. writing on the walls, that is the current it's, it's day fucking good. writing yeah. on the walls. Yeah. That was breaking limits and breaking boundaries. And, and breaking the law. So to me, that's the great shit. Those yeah. are the great monumental out, you know, uh, accomplishments of the field. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. For me, is how to translate that onto a, pl a, a square plane on a canvas and yeah. how to carry that, that essence with us. So where do you go now for inspiration? And, you know, you're talking about, you know, when you're when you're in that graffiti life, it's so easy to find inspiration, right? Yeah. You walk out in the streets and you're you're at these, right? You're you're in it and you see it everywhere. Uh, as a gallery artist, as a fine artist, where, now where do you turn to for inspiration? Um, I think it's got to be little moments of clarity mm -hmm. or little moments of like everything's okay, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to everything's always chaotic. Um, that helps. Um, How do you achieve that? Just reflecting and okay. saying, okay, everyone's safe, happy, healthy right now. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, two, I've been investigating art the best I can, you know, reliving 
past movements or past artists or what's current now what, or what does that mean for you um just try to inform yeah, myself like, like historically or process. uh what's funny is 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 social media is something i'm completely obsessed with but it's also something that can be detrimental to your thinking process sure so i think it's a lot more searching and being hungry and thirsty on that to then finding the nutrients you need within social media so yeah. i'll find certain counts and be like oh shit this got great content Oh, this artist. Oh, wow. I like that. Dive mm -hmm. into that. You know, it's that constant diving mm -hmm. in kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I like finding certain people and or just rediscovering certain things um, artistically, you know, who's doing what, how. Um, yeah. That's kind of a broader discussion. But um, like last night, for instance, Revoke was texting me, check out my new shit. And, it, yeah. it, you know, usually I'm pretty critical. But this time I'm like, wow, this is fucking awesome you know and i'm like that feeling you know so we yeah. share that with each other you know my buddy zest for instance he's real hidden in his lab and he's creating these beautiful textural work yeah i know the power of those works because i know what he's been through as a human being to get there and so when i see his work i go well, all that is informed in those paintings and i see it and and the key our challenge is how to translate that story to the average person in that realm well, I mean, I can say something on that one, too. There's there's a, an old statement. There's strength in numbers, right? Like, we crewed up because there was strength in crewing up, whether mm -hmm. it was just being at the party and socially fucking up and knowing you'd be okay or learning from your peers what and how to do it and where to go get it and where the rack spots were. Sure. So if you ask me, I think that there should be some more some more coming together as crews and like looking out for each other versus kind of like everybody trying to go dolo because they see a dollar bill at the end of the road. And that's not talking about his crew or anybody. I'm not pointing anyone out specifically. That's the culture of what we live in now. Is yeah, that, but I don't, I don't agree that just because everyone else is doing that, that everybody should do it. Yeah. You know, it's like the Hells Angels didn't pack it up and pack it in because a couple badasses came around and started doing what they were doing. You know right. what I mean? They fucking, they might've gone through their patches where they just dismembered and got back together. But you know, they fought one of the biggest law battles ever mm -hmm. and continue to still do that. And so do all motorcycle gangs. So if you ask me, I think in the graffiti culture, I think the crew aspect should strengthen up and get stronger versus dissipate based on success. Yeah. And then I believe that what would happen is the success for one guy would roll over into another. And even that inspiration point, because when you're around someone and you see a breakthrough mentally or, or talent wise for another dude, yeah. you get inspired by that. Yeah. You're like, oh, shit, you want well, a piece if, of it. You well, want to share I open it. a door yeah. and maybe there's a door for, I can open tonight and you go home and smoke some weed and you fucking yeah. all of a sudden you call fucking your boy tomorrow and go, well, fuck, based yeah. on that, look what I did. Exactly. That's what that's happened everything. back in the day. That's you know? everything. And now that piece is missing because everybody's got kids and they got their own studios yeah. and they don't have time to spend time together anymore. So well, that's what is good about some of us is we still remain in contact in the sense that the ones that are trying to push forward, we still are open about our conversations with each other. Mm -hmm. Then there's the guys that are kind of locked in the past. You know, we still love and, and care, care for them as well. But but right. it's like when it comes to the art itself. and when it comes to the art itself, like what, what yeah. you know, like minds are doing, you sure. know, and that's what's most important. He's right. Eddie's right about the chain of influence and inspiration is what what we're trying to carry Dude, on. We used to mm -hmm. have meetings, bro. Be, mm -hmm. hey, these kids you meet at the fucking at, at the motor yard, at motor yard fucking once every couple of weeks. And I guarantee you some of those meetings were super important to those kids as growing up yeah. as far yeah. as ideas and knowing what that dude was going through. The disconnect is, like you say, social media is great, but it's still a disconnect. You it's see disconnect. what people want you to see. You don't hear and two, Instagram culture, you only put your best foot forward. Of course. So nobody's really airing out what life's That's really like. Yeah. So everyone's like, look at me over here. Look so at me you over there. So imagine if a yeah. bunch of dudes who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars and in some cases millions were actually getting in an organized environment and conspiring? 
Can you imagine the shit yeah. that's that, taking place? Is that the plan, or is that just like a? Well, good that's. Idea? I think it's evolution of business. So yeah. there's certain people that are that are successful at business, you know, and obviously it's about cleaning up our acts and doing the right thing. So mm-hmm. certain people are doing, you know, doing really well in business. So mm-hmm. it's like how to translate that support system, you know? Yeah, I just wonder if that. I mean, it sounds like a really interesting idea. I wonder what you both think about the viability of like a a crew in the gallery art. Well, I think it's happened in the past, okay. you know, but like, you know, look like, at the Impressionist like movement, for okay. instance, all the dudes sitting around talking shit. did they work shit. together? Does it, was, yeah, I mean, I'm I don't sure know. they, well, working together could mean a lot but of I mean, things. did they like crew up? Yeah, I think so, did quite they? a bit. Yeah. I, I think so. Okay. Well, didn't you know? didn't uh, Warhol and Boskiak well, crew up? So Warhol yeah. had, Warhol <laughs> had it. he was the ringleader, right? He had yeah, his absolutely. collective. And he, and he, he helped put Basquiat on and, and you know, Herring and whoever, and, you know, who's left from that era is Kenny Scharf. Right. He's still holding on, and he's still yeah. doing great work. And I said, how the fuck do you last this long, bro? And he's like, yoga. <laughs> yeah, man, yoga. I'm like, fuck yeah. it, right? I yeah. mean, he's still alive, you know? I Russell mean, Simmons says yoga I every day. I mean, fuck, my body hurts, man. I've been through so much shit. It's ridiculous, dude, yoga, you man. know? My and body's fucking killing me, bro. Yeah, but yeah. yoga's meditation, too. It doesn't have to be physical Absolutely. poses and, yeah. and straining your body. It's really, it, you know, if you ask me, I do kundalini, which is primarily meditation-based yoga. Yeah. And I can tell you that I need to go more than I do because when I thought you going, said I thought you meant kundalingus. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you do kundalingus? Yeah. I hope so, motherfucker. It's a headspace. And to answer yeah. your, you know, kundalini is great for you, man. I, I, it really I is. Probably too, you know, I need to go more. I, I will it. say that. But for me, I think, you know, what graffiti crews weren't in the early days it was or it was basically organized crime to a certain extent like we were yeah. getting organized and committing crimes and you know i can tell you speaking for myself and i wasn't the greatest graffiti artist but i felt invincible when i was around my folks because i knew yeah. i could damn near do anything well it's interesting you guys are saying something like you know earlier you're talking about and i think we look at throughout history right young men in groups generally do terrible things right right and so you know gangs Terrorism, wars, most of that, mo- like most of the treachery in the world is There's created men, by just young groups. men right. in groups. Right? See, here's the beauty uh, of what but, we do. And, and, but, but, but what's magical about that at the same time or, or so powerful about that and you're talking about is, is the, the bond between those men that occurs yeah. that, that fuels them, right? And then as we get older and we have our own families and we have careers and we have different priorities – those bonds tend to dissipate. Right. Right. And I have that in my life with my homies that I came up with that we see each other every day. You know, if we went a week, like that was a long time. Yeah, and yeah. now we see each other three times a year. Yeah. Because we're spread out around the country and just shit gets in the way. Right. And and so this idea of harnessing some of that power in a in a completely different setting. Well, you know, here's the I thing: you can only carry carry with you who's who's willing to go on the same same, you know, trajectory. So yeah. it's like, um, I think that's where we're kind of organizing now is who's and and to kind of rewind the the one thing that makes us special is the fact that our lives and passions are focused around the creative process. So. If we were really, really worried about dealing drugs or doing really bad things, we'd probably be really fucking good at it. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is we're more worried about the creative process and making art than anything else. And it even was like that during we painting graffiti because we wanted to be the best and look the best and, mm-hmm. and feel the best. So I think that's a very 
important time for us because we have some we have uh, like minds and mission, which is at the end of the day all something really positive for everybody, and that's making more art, mm-hmm. um, which is its own weird thing and, and its own weird little club social club to begin with because outside of society it's a weird fucking place to operate anyway sure you know um well that's what i wonder like first of all i I hope i didn't insinuate that uh painting graffiti is akin to terrorism (laughs) (laughs) well you don't want to hear well we we have been charged conspiracy multiple times but but, uh, they all get back then we get dropped fair enough but but you know but i wonder like (laughs) You know, I wonder, you know, now as a dad and, you know, you're at these play dates and you meet, you know, the dude who's, you know, the dad just trying to pass the time, you know, talking yeah. to you and whatever. Like, I try to keep my conversations very tame because well, when I open up a can of worms, it's usually like, holy fuck, what are you talking about? Or sure, they're like fans enough. or something weird. You right. know, I'm like, ah, yeah. you know. But I imagine it makes it, it must be challenging. And, and, you know, I find that challenging in my life, like, you know, because you come up having these bonds that are so strong with people that you share everything with. Yeah. And then, you know, now you just meet some dude who wants to, like, be down. You're like, I don't know you. We're talking about like, fucking diaper genies and yeah, shit. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't want to talk to you. Like, there's <laughs> nothing here for us. Well, no, I'm not really like that type okay. of person. Good, you know? I am, but. I, I'll talk to anybody. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. I'm, cool. I'm totally open. I'm not the type of person to, and this depends on my mood, of course, but, like, most of the time I'm like, hey, what up? You know, how's yeah. it going? You know, I actually will see conversations sometimes, especially I'll jump in on conversations, you yeah. know, and that's how I've met a lot of people is that's just cool. jumping in the middle of conversations, especially if I hear they're talking about art. I'll just go, hey, how's it going? Yeah. You know, um, I don't have a problem doing that, you know. No, but that's definitely an interesting point, though, Josh, you bring up. There was a point in my life where I didn't really want to talk to people because I was like, I can only do so much in my day and I can only mess with so many people. Yeah. Like, whatever you're going through, I know enough. I, I don't even want to know. Right? Yeah. Like, I got a band. I got a club. I got a record. I got a this. And I make T-shirts and just like, all right, bro, I got you. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, let's, let's talk later. I mean, I'd rather deal with that than the you know, the dude that's like pushing the stroller around and he's, you know, he's working his nine to five and he's, he's like, I got to get over to Home Depot. to Right. But whatever. there is something in them that gives us strength, which yeah. is like, cause some of these sure. guys, they're, they, they have the ability to just keep pushing forward. Right. For me, everything is so fucking emotional and overwhelming at all the goddamn time. It's well, like, Jesus. An yeah, exactly. And I'm an only child and I'm a fucking Gemini and I have two names. Yeah, but that and, goes you know, back to the support I'm system. I'm on fire. You know what I'm okay. saying? 24 7. You Fair know enough. what I'm saying? It goes so, back to the support system and it goes back to having a group of people that are achieving yeah. accomplishments as a group versus yeah. individuals. Well, I think that's the success of, of a lot of our, uh, our story is that we've, we've always tried to remain honest with each other as friends. And, yeah. you know, Casey held it together for many years trying to keep the boat moving forward and yeah. teaching us new tools. Like I remember they were, you know, him and Crush were the first to ever use a computer and vectorize and build files out on Illustrator. Yeah. I mean, these are way ahead curve, sure. you know, things and how to apply your art to a different sense and, and, and just to expand your mind and expand your abilities. I think Casey's very vital in that role. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, and he's, he's always been very even keeled on how to keep us you know, in a good headspace, because there's mm-hmm. been a lot of shit, a lot of, a lot of emotional, crazy shit that's gone down. You know, that we all kind of carry as a badge too. Um, and the average person is really hard to relate to with that, because For it's sure. like I feel like I've been through war half the time. You know, yeah. so it's like 
talk to the average dude and he's worried about some bullshit and I'm like, dude, you have no idea what the right. fuck I've been through. Yeah, well, like, a lot of dudes don't, you know, we used to go to parties and not only do we have to worry about ourselves, but we got to worry about other people. And it's like, yeah. you know, I, I can remember back in the day, there was a certain point where we couldn't go anywhere where a, a problem did not surface itself. And yeah. when I talk to you about the problems that we went through, I'm talking about real fucking problems, not yeah. like, Dude, you parked in my spot at fucking PTA meeting or right. your wife didn't fucking bring donuts this weekend to the fucking PTA meeting. It's like I'm talking about like real shit like your boy stabbed my boy last weekend at a party and we got to fucking go outside and talk about this shit right now. Right. Like yeah. Those were our every fucking other day kind of problems. Or my boy just got arrested over here yesterday and we got had, had to bail him out like it was. You know, it was we were high stepping through shit for a yeah. while, and it was you know, it's, it's and that was a product work. of our environment here, yeah. which was Southern California, which is yeah. the biggest prison state on the planet, which is hundreds of millions put on you know incarcerating people, which which is a certain sense of destabilization from every human point of view. Get in your mm-hmm. car, run someone over, you're fucked. You mm-hmm. know, so it's mm-hmm. like everyone kind of deals with it in our society. We just went at it head on. Um, but I want to hear a little bit about kind of marketing okay how are you how are you marketing your art how are you how are you connecting with fans and building relationships well here's the thing i I take i've been a little quiet lately i got some ideas big 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 fucking ideas i need a lot of money anyone has 250k right now i could really use it all right (laughs) i got some big you want marketing i got some marketing you want to play ball on a big scale We're gonna do. We have project managers. We'll, nice. we'll get PR. We'll have people on the ground. It's okay. a full blown operation. Yeah. Um. This could be fucking epic, dude. Nice. But uh, outside of needing to raise a lot of shit money, um, I think I apply the same rules that I did with originally back to painting on the street, which is how to create a piece of material that's that's digestible to your viewer. Yeah. And make it open and, and available. So I like the tools of social media. I I love the strategy of networking via social media. Mm-hmm. Um, my numbers aren't huge, but I've, I've been able to build up a nice amount of numbers for myself. Is for it my own personal front. Like, does, it, does it help you sell paintings? Or, well, or it always helps. I kind of yeah. came to the conclusion, if you want to sell a $150 print, you need to, you know, if you want to sell 50 of them, you need to at least reach 100,000 people, right. you know, for somebody to pull, pull the trigger on creating an internet transaction. Yeah. Um, galleries is a whole different world. It's a closed, inclusive, um, um, political shit fest. Mm-hmm. And the galleries I'm not interested in fucking with unless they got the right profile and mm-hmm. the right meat behind them. So mm-hmm. I'm done fucking with anyone unless you, they got the real. How do you real. decide whose brand fits with your brand? I guess it depends on, um, well, galleries, it's, it's a totally different realm. Yeah. So that's, the goal is to sell a lot of paintings to people privately and no one even fucking knows. You know? <laughs> so yeah. that's even better. Yeah. yeah, I haven't posted something on social media in two years and I'm balling out of control. That's the best way. Right. But the opposite way is, you know, oversaturate yourself until no one listens anymore. Sure. So I like to be somewhere in the middle where I create a discourse with people. They get to kind of see what I'm doing and I get to have some sort of interaction. I like, I really like Twitter in the sense that you get to create uh you get to share information quickly and 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 create a sense of uh discussion or level of discussion not Mm -hmm. just like beating your fucking head against the wall but actually having meaningful nutrient you know discourse between certain people about information i like that yeah uh i like instagram to promote it's great you know and everyone wants to give each other pats on the backs that's awesome whatever but um i like i like this the strategy behind it i think it's interesting um I'm pretty efficient at diving down the hole and sorting things out, you mm-hmm. know, when it comes to social media. But 
Um, really, uh, the best option would be to find somebody who really believes in what you're doing. And, you know, as an artist, you know, art has always thrived on nepotism. So you mm-hmm. can't, you know, unless you're struggling, you can't really thrive unless you got a lot of motherfucking money behind you. Right. So in this world, to expand, yeah. you know, I could thrive on my own just fine. And I've been and I'm good at it. And that's why mm-hmm. I say no to most people mm-hmm. because I don't want to be tainted by their vision. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just about finding the right situation, you know, as a, as a person, I'm, you know, I've been supporting my family with my art for years now. So I've been doing really well, yeah. but to take it to the next, next level requires a structure and a business plan and somebody that understands that vision. So give um, me a short version of what, what's the next level. The next level is just having um, the right space mm-hmm. and time and energy and fuel to keep experimenting with work and keep creating bodies of larger works that can travel all over the world and then reinvest into our own projects and visions. So the ultimate success for me would be to have enough funds and money to invest in my own ideas. Mm -hmm. So like today, it's like, I want to do a bulletproof wild style sculpture. Let's fucking do it. We have a team to put this thing together. Mm -hmm. Or I want to, I want to, we need to fuck with bronze or I want to, do a laser installation or I want to do fucking projection sniping or I want to buy out 50 billboards or I want to create a street campaign or I want to buy out promotion, social media space or whatever it is to infect the space and get the word out Mm -hmm. either via activism type things or pushing the art itself. Um, That's the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. And that's how these blue chip characters do it. That's how the coons is do it. They come from financing. They have enough money to just put money into their own visions, pay people to make this shit. Now, I don't want to be at that level because I always want to put my hands on it, but yeah. it would be really nice to have, you know, enough money just to fund crazy ideas. Is there a model for that? You know, you mentioned Jeff Koons, but like, is there, a, is there somebody that you look to as a model for what you're trying not to do? Not one individual. Okay. Um, not, I haven't quite sorted that out yet. Okay. <laughs> but, but you, you know. pull from different. Yeah, and business is always tough for me. You know, like Dave Dave was a lottery and he hit it. And and I was looking at some of his things yesterday. I was like, he is one talented motherfucker, man. For sure. You know, when you look at what he's capable of. And I think that's what attracted a lot of his. And he doesn't give a fuck. So that's what's good about him. Um, For me, it's it's about having enough energy physically, mentally, and emotionally to – keep tackling ideas mm-hmm. and come up with the resources to make these ideas manifest themselves. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, the easiest thing is, okay, get some cardboard and make some fucking paintings with whatever you have. Right. And I have the ability to do that always. Yeah. But the big vision is how to manifest this into a big scale. Do you and think you'll ever feel like you made it? No, there's never that yeah. ever. I can be satisfied at the moment with what I've achieved, mm-hmm. but that only is short lived. Mm-hmm. And that's what I strive for is to find that little happy space where I'm, you know, doing my thing, making my paintings and everything feels right. Yeah. And and go, oh, I like what I did. That's the best feeling I could come up with, mm-hmm. you know, for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, like I made a series of prints last two weeks and fuck, I went in there and hand deckled every single one of them, which usually, uh, you know, the lowest assistant does that. But I enjoy the creative process so I'm sure. like fuck it, I'll sit here and tear every one of these because I'm enjoying doing it you yeah. know I just the creative process is where I strive for it's about how to have enough balance between home front finances and life to to comfortably engage a creative process in an efficient manner mm-hmm. that's the height of an artist's career mm-hmm. and some people never see it and some people get handed to you yeah. know like a coon's hand you know kind of a thing that's not where I want to be fuck him but you know um, you know 
there's multiple ways and multiple paths. Yeah. You know, because we come from this past, it was always about struggle and, 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 you know, that doesn't last long because that eats you up. Mm -hmm. So now it's about how to, how to manifest these ideas, get some people behind you that believe in you and say, yeah, these are fucking fantastic ideas. Let's go for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, what, uh, so my last question, uh, give me some, some guys that you're checking for. Well, I mean, usually I stay close to home. So it's like, you know, my buddy Zess has got beautiful fucking paintings. Mm -hmm. My buddy Reyes is doing Victor Reyes, beautiful paintings. Mm -hmm. uh, my buddy Push, Lee Mizuno. Um, you know, Revoke, I'm really excited about what he's doing right now. Yeah. Um, Any you know, young kids that you see? Uh, I mean, there's some kids out there that are crushing it. Like, um, this, I've seen some kid uh, AIDS ads, A-D-Z-E. He's been crushing it. Um it's kind of scattered right now. The movement's scattered. There's a few yeah. heads that are doing their thing. Um, this kid's Sot, S-A-U-T-E-R. He's been crushing memoirs. Sauter. Um, my buddy Haler in Detroit's completely taking over Detroit, which mm. is amazing. Mm -hmm. Grown-ass man fucking taking over Detroit. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, it's it's just, I don't know. I don't know. It's all it's all random, and it's all inspiration from multiple places now because it all comes through the fucking phone, which drives me crazy half the time. Right. Um, but I look for little things, too, in life, yeah. you know. How um, important is it, you know, you're talking about, you know, Instagram and all that, and that can be, you know, valuable. Uh, but how important is it to go see art in person? Well, you have to. I think um, just I think everybody should be cultured enough to stand in front of something sometime in their life. Yeah. You know, I, I think. And it doesn't mean I'm always impressed with what I see. It's just about like just being in front of it. You know, you know it, it strikes me and, and maybe you'll appreciate this given the, the river piece. But, you know, I've been struck by how much the size of something matters to me. Okay. Like I wouldn't necessarily think that it does. Right. But you know, I, I mean, as a kid, I was in, in uh, you know, as a teenager, I was in France and we saw the Mona Lisa and I'm right. like, oh, it's like the size of that window. And you know, and then we're in the next gallery. Um, shit, I'm gonna blow the reference, but you know, these full, right. these, like in the, uh, these, you know, full size, wall size paintings yeah um well it can work and, big and you sit there and you're just like and it, it struck me at that moment like like this is blowing me away partly just because how big it is yeah well that's the thing too is how to manage like that's the hardest part is how yeah. do you keep producing big works and manage this even the storage yeah. moving of this shit yeah i bet um i bet i like working but i prefer to work big you know it's easier for me to work big than small yeah you know problem is how to set up resources to say I need 25 canvases that are 50 feet long sure. and a place to store them and be able to paint comfortably yeah. without killing yeah, and somebody then, and then having somebody that has a big enough house to afford it yeah and then find them. a place you know yeah. all my paintings right now I'm I'm being moved out of my house because all my paintings are too fucking big so <laughs> everything's stuffed what in you, there what do you hang any anything like that would surprise us what's up anything hanging in your house that would surprise us um probably my grandfather's legacy because he was a he was a pretty Famous illustrator in oh, the cool. 40s and 50s. Nice. And uh, so What's I have his name? Uh, Euclid Shook. And um, so that's part of my legacy as a person yeah. is that my grandfather was this famous illustrator cool. out of New York. So I have some of those on the walls. Um, but two, also what really inspires me lately is my daughter's paintings. Mm. She's only five and she is totally, uh, you know, 
uninhibited. Uh, what's the right word? Uh, yeah, uninhibited. Uninhibited. Yeah. Uh, so she 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 could just crush it and not even think twice about it. That's cool. You know, and I love that. So I've been kind of directing her where I'm like, hey, do that, and she goes, all right, and she's five. You know, so I'm kind of relearning through her. Yeah. You know, which is nice. She did yeah. a painting the other day, and I was like, "That's brilliant, actually." You know, and and it's real because she's not she's not one of those kids. It's like, "Oh, I don't like my mac and cheese. I'll take a bite, and I'm not done." You know, she's the type who's like, "Let's go all in," you know. And I love it to watch her because she'll be covered in paint, her total mess, her outfits destroyed, mm-hmm. and she's just crushing it. And I'm like, yeah. "This is cool," yeah. you know. So I'm kind of relearning through her, That's you know, amazing. which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, just, it's just about going for it and not caring anymore. I think that's one of our our problems with coming from the graffiti realm is we have a lot of rules and a lot of a lot of armor we carry with us that that sure. doesn't allow us to be free right. from ourselves. So having kids have kind of relearn. Well, who cares if it looks that way? Who gives a fuck if someone yeah. says they don't like it? Right. You know. And yeah. so that's kind of a liberating feeling. Just be like, you know what? Who gives a fuck? I'm just going to paint this because I want to and mm-hmm. then put it aside. <laughs> that took me many years to get to that point because I was always like, I have to paint this this way. And, you know, so it's kind of liberating just to be like, ah, fuck it. See what happens. That's so cool. You know? Yeah. So I enjoy that. That's a new thing for me. Nice. You know? Well, thanks for being here, man. I'm excited to watch the evolution. Yeah. Uh, me too. <laughs> come back anytime you want to promote something. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so where does everybody find you online? Um, I have a website, saberone.com. I don't update it too much, but I sell a lot of the e-commerce, like prints. Mm-hmm. I, I like to keep things affordable mm-hmm. for the fans and the people that come from our generation. Um, the paintings, they're special. They go to the right places, and yeah. they're going to cost a fucking arm and a leg. Yeah. But, the, but the, the, I like to do hand-touched prints cool. and work that's available to everybody, mm-hmm. under $1,000 up to lower price points so that I feel justified by what I'm doing, saying I am still at least accessible to the people who care about what we're doing. Yeah. I think it's important. Yeah. Um, so I do a lot of that, you know. Yeah. And the paintings, I, I, I hold to my own, and they need to go where they need to go, which sure. is a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, and then what about social, if people want to follow you in social? Uh, Instagram, it's at Saber, A-W-R, S-A-B-E-R-A-W-R. And then on Twitter is at Saber, S-A-B-E-R. Um, and you know, I'm always on there. I like Twitter more because like I can, I, I like to share articles and I'm, you know, a lot of funny characters and cool. talk shit, politics. Nice. You know, I keep, I keep my eye on politics a lot. Yeah. You know, sounds like, um, nice. Yeah. Well, thanks man. I appreciate no, it. No, thank you. All right. That was Saber. I thought that was a good one. I hope you thought so too. Big up my man, Eddie Donaldson from Gorilla One. Thanks for coming through. Hey, let us know what you think. We're on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net. We're on Facebook, and we can always use another iTunes review if you're in the mood for that. Uh, Most importantly, though, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.